This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer. A free-for-all Friday. You're asking to hear something I don't want to say. But if I do say it, I think you ought to hear it. You got anything on your chest besides your chin, you better get it off. All right, then you asked for it. Yes, we did. So lay it on us. Free-for-all Friday means you set the tone. Here is Libby Snymer. Good afternoon and welcome to this free-for-all Friday. As always, there's really a lot to talk about. What do you think about the travel restrictions we just heard about minutes ago in Bob's News, which was just minutes after the Prime Minister announced them? Uh, is it good or is it a bit late? So they are as follows, just to refresh your memory. First of all, the government has reached an agreement with all of the airlines to suspend flights to Caribbean destinations starting on Sunday till the end of April. So uh, that should prevent some March break holidays or other holidays down south. Uh, I wonder what the airlines got in return. I'm sure they got something in return. Uh, and then uh, there's also a rule that now when international flights arrive, the people will A, have to take a test at the airport and B, have to go and quarantine at a designated hotel at their own expense for three days pending a negative test. And if they test positive, they'll have to go to another government-approved facility. And uh, just uh, reminding us of what things were like at the very beginning last April, that's what it was. The people coming back ended up on military bases where they could be monitored. Uh, so is this a good thing? Is it the right thing? Is it soon enough to be effective? And it's kind of interesting because Doug Ford is having another one of his airport news conferences uh, this afternoon, and the word is that he is going to announce mandatory testing when people land. I gather that that's going to be not just for international flights, but also for uh, flights from inside Canada. And uh, is Trudeau just stealing Doug Ford's thunder with this, or is everything working well in tandem? So what do you think? Are those travel restrictions enough? And uh, are you going to change your mind about traveling in the light of those travel restrictions? The number is to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 for 740. We've also had a lot of confusion about the vaccine rollout. It looked like we were going to get even fewer doses than we were supposed to. There's this whole controversy over whether there are five or six doses in a vial. Um, we've always counted it as Five, which you can get from a regular syringe. To take the sixth dose, you need a special tiny, tiny syringe, which we do not have a lot of. But Pfizer wants Canada to approve to count it as six doses of vial, which of course would affect the number of vials they send us. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot over Pfizer. 
They basically are calling the shots. And also there was a study in The Economist which said, you know, the the government promising that we'll all be vaccinated by September, hogwash at any kind of rate it's going to take till the middle of 2022. I also saw another survey, this one out of Australia that ranked government's pandemic response. And guess what? Canada, number 61 out of 100, not a very good score. What do you think? Have we been doing okay? And, uh, you know, we are totally on track to exceed the number of deaths in nursing homes in the first wave. Uh, and, you know, to me, did we do the things that had to be done in the summer when we had a bit of a break? I do not think so. And it is our vulnerable elderly who are paying the price for that right now. So um, let's get right to the phones. Again, the numbers 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And let's go to Tony in Mississauga. Hi, Tony. Hello. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm fantastic. If I was any better, it would be against the law. Okay, that's good. All right. So listen, um, you know, I, I'm okay with Trudeau's ceiling duck Ford's ideas because, as I said to your screener, that if it's good for Ontario, it's good for the rest of the country, it's good for mankind, and let's keep it going. Maybe the rest of the country will follow up, and let's lead. Let Ontario lead. Well, do you think those restrictions are enough? They could be as worse as Europe's, uh-huh. where, where, where uh, masks are mandated and they must be worn, otherwise you're fined. It doesn't really matter when or where. At all times, must be worn for the safety of others. Hmm. Okay, thank you for your call, Tony. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, and and speaking of masks, there's a subject I want to get to uh, probably not till next week with an expert, but we've started to see reports that with the new, more contagious variant that uh, a regular mask maybe isn't good enough. Uh, we've been talking about double masking. Some people are doing that in the United States, which means a, a disposable surgical mask with a cloth mask over it uh, or a cloth mask that has some layers and you can put a filter in. So uh, I want to find some people who actually understand this and say, do we really need that two masks. You know, the truth is, is it's not fabulous to wear a mask. I'm sure we're all used to it. Uh, But uh, do we have to double down on our mask wearing? That's a question that I will want to answer in the days ahead. I'm going to get to the phones. Let's have Helen in Toronto. Hi, Helen. Hi, Libby. I went to visit my mother this week, and we have to give credit to everybody who has to wear full PPE. I almost died in it. Okay, so I was wearing a sweater instead of it. I found that you were supposed to wear a short sleeve jersey. I had to cut that visit so short because I could barely breathe. So all the people who are in PPE, you got to give them credit for it. I do, I do. I'm glad I don't have to be in PPE. Well, like I say, it was a pretty short visit because uh, I was getting to the point where I didn't know if I was going to be able to breathe. So uh, just out there so everybody knows that we understand and we appreciate. Okay. Anything else? How's your mom? 
My mother's doing okay, uh, as well as can be expected. Uh, uh, there are no infections in the um, in the population, like in the residents, and the last two of the um, staff members are now cured. So hopefully, continue to hold my breath. <clears throat> Um, and as of last week, when you when you had two guests on who suggested I send my letter to all these politicians, I have been. Nobody's answered. Do you, could what, you believe What it? a big surprise! I'm shocked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought you'd like to hear the follow up on that. Okay, Helen. So, take care. You too. Thank weekend. you. Bye. Bye bye. Okay, uh, let us go to Ron in Guelph to talk about something really quite different. But before we do that, let me give you the numbers again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Ron, hi, Ron. Hello there. Jeez, I'm feeling guilty now not talking about the COVID. Well, you, you this is this is your day, Ron, and everybody else's day. You talk about what you Free want to talk Friday. about. Uh, I agree with, uh, on, just on a quick side note, I agree with whatever they're doing. It's about time that they uh, start checking all the passengers after what we're hearing in recent years, recent weeks of people coming back and getting infected. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about, uh, the moderator wasn't sure uh, about this, but the uh, Ontario government is now trying to revive that 413 highway that's going to run just north of the 407. Yep. Um, he hadn't seen it in the Star. It was a feature story in the Star this week. Uh, it's it, it's an important story. I agree. Go ahead. What's your um, take on well, it? Well, I spoke with this about this issue with Mike Schreiner, my MPP, uh, when that was first reintroduced, and everybody said, what? This was killed back in 2018 by the Liberals. And all of a sudden, people are saying, why is this being revived now? And I've got the same comment. Um, why do we need this? The 407 is underutilized as it is. Why do we need to spend more tax money, ruin more farmland, and all the rest of it to build a highway that's only going to run what, uh, 10, 15 kilometers at the most from the 400 over to Milton. You ask some very good questions. And uh, the thing about the 407, that that was a huge, I think, a boondoggle. It was sold for a song and they make fortunes out of it. But, but we don't control it. It's a Spanish company and it's a gold mine. And... <laughs> I don't really use it very much. I've used it on a few occasions and literally going a, a few exits on 407, I get a bill for 35 bucks or something. So um, uh, the, the province doesn't have control of it. It turns out that now the CPP pension board actually owns 51% of That's the uh, That's true, 407. yes. So we'll get some of that money somehow. <laughs> well, what I have... Uh, uh, was speaking with Mike about was the fact that why aren't we, um, you know, shaming the 407 pension board into saying, okay, uh, and I believe that would actually uh, make them more money if they were to lower some of the fees, especially for the trucks. This new highway is primarily to get trucks off the 401. Well, you, if you travel on the 407 now, how many tractor trailers do you actually see on the highway? Next to none. Um, I mean, I know right now for me to travel from the 407 and the 401 to where it ends now at 35115 is $48. So 
I mean, and, and part of that is the Ontario government now owns a little bit of the, uh, the 407 highway, but, uh, I mean, I just, I just can't see the logic. I mean, this whole thing started in 2012, the research, and, uh, now they're, they want to re, uh, revive it. And I don't know, maybe it's a subject for another discussion another day then. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm just going to uh, read what what uh, a spokesman for uh, the transport minister, Carolyn Mulrudy, said that uh, this highway is necessary to improve Ontario's highway network, reduce travel times and help alleviate traffic congestion across the GTA. So that's what the government says. Uh, we know that they have not been particularly mindful about uh, ecology and stuff like that. So yes, I think this is an important issue and we should get into it further on another day. And, and thanks very much for your call. Well, I just think it's, you know, it's, I'm, you know, I don't know why this thing is being revived when the, I mean, in 2018, it wasn't the liberal government, and I'm a conservative, the liberal government decided, you know what, there are better alternatives than ruining that much countryside, and and the better alternative is, is to, uh, they can't literally govern or force them to, but uh, if the 407 could be convinced if you were to lower the fees for the trucks, and get them on the 407, which is what this is all about. It's mainly, it's not about cars. It's mainly getting the truck traffic to move uh, more freely. Well, there's your answer. It's the 407. This new highway is only going to be less than 20 kilometers north of the 407. It's not needed. Okay. Thanks for your call, Ron. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay. And this just in, and I'm afraid it's not good news. Uh, It is another uh, reduction in our deliveries of vaccines, this time from Moderna. This is a report from the CBC, and they say that Moderna will now ship 20 to 25 percent less product to Canada in February, and uh, that they were supposed to send us uh, 230,000 and a half doses next week with another 250,000 to follow. And the CBC is reporting that that is now going to be cut by 25%. So we'll have more on that in the newscast and I'll update you uh, as that comes in as well. We get the bulletins here, so stay tuned. And uh, let's take one more before the break. We've got Eileen in Brampton. Hello, Eileen. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question. I keep hearing about this questioning, should people be paying themselves to isolate after they come back from where they've gone, where they shouldn't have gone in the first place? So who is supposed to pay for it? Seniors like me who don't even go out for groceries because my daughter does that for me? So, like, who is it that they're expecting to do this? As far as I'm concerned, you go somewhere, you stay there, especially out of the country. No, you shouldn't be looked after. You're not listening to what you're supposed to be doing. And we're in a worse state now than we were when this started. 
Well, I, I, I don't think there was any question about taxpayers paying for people's quarantines, though. Some people kind of got away with that. There were some people who, who quarantined after taking a trip and then applied for, uh, CERB or the emergency relief, one of the benefits offered by the government. They've apparently closed that loophole, but I don't think there was any intention ever for taxpayers to pay for travelers quarantining. Well, a question that it's still talked about then. No, you do. You stay in. It's your expense. You shouldn't have been going in the first place. Okay, that's a good point, Eileen. Thanks for your call. I have one thing, if you don't mind. Uh, quickly, please. As far as like the, the, um, the way they're giving out the vaccines, I'm 69, and I'm going to wait my turn. And as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't mind waiting behind the 65-year-old or the 55-year-old who's out there having to, to be on the front lines, like the grocery people, the people that have to be out to work. I know a lot of people can't stay home, but there are many seniors just like me who can stay home, and I think there's more floating around outside than should be. Okay. Thanks for your call, Eileen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. We have got to take a break. Let me give you the numbers out again. We'll be back with more of your calls and your comments. We have brand new travel restrictions just announced literally minutes before we went to air. We also have a breaking news report here that not only is Pfizer going to be cutting our deliveries of vaccines, but apparently so is Moderna. And it seems to be by quite a bit, by 20 or 25% in the weeks ahead. What do you think of that? What do you think about the fact that we may all be waiting longer for those shots? We've got new variants that are more contagious and possibly more deadly. And the government's rollout has been uh, not so hot. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be back after the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer. When one considers the meaning of life, it is a struggle between alternative viewpoints of life itself. A free-for-all Friday. And without the ability to defend one's own viewpoint against other, perhaps more aggressive ideologies, then reasonableness and moderation could quite simply disappear. Name your topic and be as deep as you like, as long as there's a point in there somewhere. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday. I am going to get right to the phones, and let's begin with Brian and Mimico. Hi, Brian. Hi, Libby. I was sitting here watching the uh, Prime Minister at his news conference. You know, I have a gray beard and gray hair, and I'm kind of wondering how does he have a salt, pepper, and gray beard, yet his hair is all the same color. But, uh, uh, I think it often grows in like that, <laughs> but go ahead. This uh, entire COVID vaccine thing's just been a typical liberal boondoggle from day one. First off, what was he thinking? Turning around and the first people he orders the vaccines from are China? Well, Where it wasn't. That was that was... From? That was um, that was a clinical trial that was supposed to happen. It wasn't a vaccine order exactly, but yes, you're right. Um, a lot of people are scratching their heads about that one. Uh, 
And he apparently knew that it wasn't going to work out days after announcing it and sat on that information. Yeah, well, you know, you don't want to confess to you, Lord, or you made a mistake. You know, this man is nothing but a good-looking, smooth-talking BS artist. I wish people would get that through their head. He's not qualified to be prime minister unless somehow being a whitewater rafting instructor is, uh, you know, material for prime minister. He only took that drama course so he could learn how to be an actor playing the role of prime minister. Yeah, he taught for a couple of years at a private school, didn't want to teach the common folk. And then he could say, oh, I was a teacher. Yeah, for a whole two years of your adult life. I wish people would wise up to what's going on here with this man instead of turning around and thinking he could win the next election. Okay. Because the people that would do that, they're just lemmings and they're blind. Okay, Brian, thanks for that. Okay, now uh, Brian was bringing up China and the two Michaels, and uh, I want to read a message that we got on our email, and it says uh, it's from Arthur. And he says, uh, hi, Libby, enjoy your show. Don't you think that if the two Mikes in China were American, they would have been home months ago? Just a thought. And why does the governor general need a yearly expense account? What a waste of taxpayers' dollars. Uh, and uh, yeah, we haven't even mentioned the governor general. The report on her conduct came out and it was pretty scathing if anybody has anything to say about that. And uh, I don't know what's happening with her pension. She gets a pension for life, uh, as all governors general do, of about $150,000 a year, plus an expense account of $100,000 a year. I don't know if that's under review or if there's any way to put that under review, but there you go. Let us go to, let's see where the lineup is. Morris in North York. Hi, Morris. Morris, Hello. are you there? Hello, Hi. Libby. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I just wanted to talk about the travel restrictions. Uh, my wife actually uh, flies back and forth from Boston uh, a fair bit, about every couple of months, uh, because she, uh, our son is down there. He's actually a doctor there, and she helps him because he's overloaded with all the work he's doing. So she flies down quite a bit. Anyways, uh, I don't understand the travel restrictions they're bringing in. Uh, she was going to uh, she does a test there. She does a COVID test in Boston uh, before she gets on the airplane. In fact, Air Canada, uh, last weekend, she was supposed to tr- uh, fly back to Toronto last Saturday, and she Air Canada refused her admission to the flight because her COVID test was 75 hours, not 72 hours. So she was three hours off, and they're quite strict. They said, no, you can't get on the airplane. So she had to cancel the flight, and we had to rebook this weekend. So she's got a COVID test within 75, 72 hours, and she's going to fly back tomorrow. So anyways, all the flights since January 7th, you have to do a pre-COVID test before you get on. So why, why is this new thing coming in? What's this thing about doing another test in Toronto if she's already done the test, or if people are already doing a test before they get on the airplane. I don't understand it. It seems like they're doing double double work. Well, it's also the, the COVID test you need is is within three days. And, yeah, uh, 72 the, hours. 
72 72 hours. hours. And, and that's not necessarily like you could be infected within that time. And everybody's jumping on the bandwagon to look like they're doing something. I I don't know if your your wife is uh, still going to be able to maintain that kind of a travel schedule. It certainly won't be very easy. We're going to have to slow down. Like she's going to make it. I, I, I believe this, these new rules come in effect next week. Is that your understanding? Uh, I'm not sure. I think uh, they won't be in place until at least mid-February is one of the reports. Oh, I thought it was next week. Anyway, she's flying back tomorrow. So I'm assuming she's going to get on the airplane tomorrow. She has a COVID test. And she'll um, she'll probably have to do another one. I, I don't know when Doug Ford's tests are are going into effect, and I guess that's why he can say uh, that that Justin Trudeau did not steal his thunder if his goes into effect before hers. But uh, good luck with that. I, it, it's designed I, I to know. make it very you know hard what? for to travel. One of, the, one of the comments I have about the, the there's so much news coming fast and furious. And not all the data comes out, and it seems to be not fully thought out. It's very confusing for me. Um, can I make a quick comment about the long-term care homes? Just a minute. You know what, uh, Morris, we're losing you. I couldn't understand okay. that, so I am going to let you go. Thanks for your call. All right. Let us go to Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Good afternoon. Uh, some interesting comments there. The one that caught me was the information last night that Israel paid twice the price and is will have uh, vaccinated everybody by the end of March, currently working on the 35-year-olds. Um, so it can be done, and I think that was a smart move on their part. You know, I think, unfortunately, our prime minister, well, he's not a businessman, let's face it, that he's a, he's a, a drama teacher. And what they need to do is release what the contract says, because otherwise he's going to be up there every time having to dance around about why we're getting less. I'm sure I I suspect the contract says when and if available which puts us way down the line compared to some of the other people. So okay, it, it, let me let let me interject there Pat. So first of all, uh it's been rumored that they paid twice. We don't know that for sure and uh I've seen uh, Israeli officials sort of uh, smiling smugly and saying, "Well, if we did it was worth it." And I would have to agree with that. Uh number 2, I know I heard I've seen reported that they're on the under 35s, but right. uh let me tell you I my nephew and his girlfriend are there studying. They are not citizens. She is in medical school but not at the stage where she could go anywhere near a patient and they are 25 and 27 and they got their first shots 2 days ago. Yes. So uh that that's well under 35. Exactly. Exactly. And- uh their over 60s were done weeks ago. There are a couple of things there. First of all, with a small country like that that's used to mobilizing, also you can't underestimate the importance of personal connections. The chief science officer at Moderna and I believe one of the chief uh, people at Pfizer as well, both graduated from Israeli universities. They agreed to give data. I mean, they, they uh, it looks like, gave away a lot. And the third thing I wanted to say, something really interesting that I was reading this morning out of Brussels, and that some of the contracts to the European Union as as well as other places uh, were 
published and they are mostly redacted, first of all. So they, there are even clauses in some contracts saying that if a country uh, announces or releases the price, they'll be cut off. Uh, and uh, the shipments are, it's all couched in weasel words, you know, that the, the delivery times are targets. There are no penalties if they don't deliver on time. And I suspect that we are not the only country that signed contracts that say things like that. But um, you can look up the story, but but it was pretty eye-opening. And, and you know what? They all have us over a barrel. Right. And But I mean, I think telling the truth is a much better way to go than be making these, you know, vague comments. I mean, obviously, he's worried about his popularity falling as a result of this. And I don't think, you know, I think that unfortunately, these problems will continue. And I think the best way to deal with it is to tell people what what the contract says. I mean, you know, people understand that. And I guess like you, I saw the the comment about Israel paying double was, I think, on a CNN uh, uh, release. But, uh, yeah, and and one of the interesting things that uh, um, comes up with this announcement now in the three-day uh, quarantine for people flying into Canada is, okay, what happens if you drive across the border? I haven't seen anything on that. Well, the border is driving across the border is supposed to be closed to all but essentials like trade. So supposedly, unless you get some kind of special dispensation, I know of people who have been able to drive across the border, but mostly not for, um, you know, for, for just for snowbird travel or something like that. So, and speaking of the prime minister's popularity. I'm looking for something now, but uh, ah, uh, so confidence in Trudeau government's procurement distribution of COVID vaccine plummets. And that is an Angus Reid poll. And it's from this morning, the number of Canadians saying liberals doing a quote, poor job procuring vaccine near doubles since September, since December, excuse me. So there you go. But that's why it's important to tell the truth. People get tired of getting wishy-washy comments and vagaries about everybody that get covered. And I also like the one where they say, and I guess it was the, the minister talking on it, saying that everybody would have their vaccine or vaccination by September. I think she was talking about the first vaccination. So who knows how much later the second vaccination was going to occur. I mean, <laughs> anyway, you've got You've got the message, and uh, I, I think Israel has done the right thing and paid the price, most likely paid the price, and that's what we should have done. Uh, yeah, if uh, if we even thought of doing it. Yeah, they're uh, definitely uh, way ahead of this game. Pat, thanks very much. Thank you. Okay, let us go to Bill in Oakville. Hi, Bill. Hello? Hello? Okay, we don't have Bill in Oakville. Let's go to Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? So you've touched on my comment, and I I hear and I understand the Canadians' frustration with um, with the time that uh, seems to be getting longer to uh, to get the vaccine. I I think we're all feeling that, 
that being said, I, I, I find it difficult to criticize the government uh, in that regard. I don't think any of the um, political parties could would likely have done any better. And the root of it is we simply as a country don't have the clout or do we produce the vaccines in order to move up in the queue for the vaccines we're supposed to uh, supposed to receive? I, I I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. Uh, what a lot of people were saying, and this was back when there was still time, was that uh, really uh, we could have retooled in order to produce some of these vaccines on under license, that that's what should have been negotiated. I think we were late to the party. I think uh, we were putting too much stock into this uh, CanSino, this Chinese collaboration that was never going to happen. I just think that, that it wasn't thought through and we were late and it wasn't very well done. But uh, on the other hand, I also agree we're a tiny country. We're 2% of the world's GDP and we don't have clout like the U.S. or the European Union. That's just the fact of it. It is. It's a sad fact. On, on the good front, I guess it's going to take a while, but there is a vaccine, Canadian vaccine, that should be in production uh, come December or the end of the year. Uh, so yeah, that's a little it, bit it's late. Going to be a while, and a penny I, short and a little late. And you know, quite honestly, I my attitude is we'll get the vaccine when we get it. Um, I'm quite content with those frontline workers getting it, and uh, we we're just going to have to be patient um, and wait. And I know the big concern is with the um, the elderly. I'm 75, and the people in long term care. So. The longer it takes for us to become vaccinated, uh, the, the more deaths we are going to see in the long-term care setting, and that's that's a whole other uh, whole other topic. Well, yeah, and there's quite a bit of criticism that in the rollout here, how did healthcare workers who should get the vaccine, but how did they skip ahead of long-term care residents? The The argument was that it was too hard to take the Pfizer vaccine to long-term care. But the fact is that other jurisdictions, other countries, and even other provinces were doing it long before we did. And somehow uh, we had, you know, young healthcare workers getting it before the people who are most vulnerable. And there are some people who are calling that out. And rightly so. Okay, Dennis, thanks for that. Thank you. Okay, it is time for another break. Let me give the numbers out again before we go to break. 416-360-0740, toll-free one 866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer. A free-for-all Friday. Step up, say your piece, and we promise not to interrupt. Just be lively about it. We have a lot of listeners hanging on your every word. Here is Libby Snymer. Well, 
Well, welcome back to this free for all Friday. I'm going to get right to the phones and vaccine rollout. The vaccine supply is the hot topic. Uh, We just got some breaking news and it's not completely confirmed. It's from CBC that Moderna is also going to cut the supplies of the shipments of its vaccines to Canada in the coming weeks by 20 or 25%. So that is bad news indeed. Let's go to Sita in Mississauga. Hi, Sita. Hi, Lizzie. How are you? Fine. How are you? Oh, I'm very nervous, but I will try to say as much as I possibly can. Great show to let us all, let out our frustration, and thanks for listening. Okay, thank you. We can't blame the government for everything. Right now, vaccine, we shouldn't be blaming the government for that. We should be blaming the drug company because they're not supplying it to, our, to us. So how can the government distribute it if we don't have? Um, I th- I think we should go down, not by age. People should not be getting vaccine by age. But who are in the front line, who needs it the most, especially bank tellers, cashiers. Bank uh, tellers? Bank yeah. tellers. Well, they are working with the public. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, most of us, um, you, you don't really, that's uh, that's not the front of the front lines, well, I would it say. Is serious because um, I know people who work at a bank and there are cases that, are happening in the banks. Yep. And, uh, but, uh, you know, going by age, people, the biggest risk factor is age. And well, most no, of the, the deaths are older people. It. The seniors will get it. Give it to the seniors. We need the seniors to be vaccinated. Okay. We need all well, the when? People in the medical field. Not, not any time that soon. But, Sita, I no. hear you. You're saying don't blame the government. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay. Take care. All well, the best, all now, of us. Okay. And let's go to Tom in Port Colburn. Hi, Tom. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good for living in a long-term care home. Oh. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, okay, now here's my perspective from lying in my bed. Uh, it's very simple because we get and are guaranteed the residents for a vaccination, the second one, which procures our thing, Okay. However, the people that work with us don't have a second shot. Okay? Now, how can I... Will they bring COVID-19 into me every day? Well, they're getting a second shot. It's just being spread out more. Right. That's right. But that's the thing. Now, I understand from the CBC, they're dropping Moderna 25%. You know where this all comes from? This comes from... And I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up because Pfizer is a private company. They're going to go where the money is. Where is the money? It's in Europe. And in Europe, they stand behind the scenes and they say, gee, you know, if you could only ship us another million, we'd give you another million in cash. Doesn't have to be known, of course. All right. But Canada will not stand up when you have socialist governments like this. We're running around trying to find six for five in the, in the va- vaccination box, okay? Well, we that's, that's, it. it's impossible. That's and what Pfizer wants. That, there's one, one, one more point here. The surgical uh, things that they need to put in their arms, okay, have to come from veterinarians. Isn't that telling you that the country is truly going to the dogs? Okay, Tom. <laughs> Thanks for Thank that. Thank you. All right. Uh, 
Okay, so we had one caller who says, don't blame the government, it's not their fault, and another who says, oh, let's go ahead and blame the government. Okay, um, we are, we still have some time left, so let me give you the numbers out again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and let's go to Tom and Ajax. Hey, Tom. Good afternoon. Go ahead, you're on the air. Uh, about this two-week paid sick leave. Mm-hmm. It's a countrywide problem. It's all across the country. People are having difficulty getting in or all kinds of difficulty with it. And they start. everybody starts running to the provincial government for relief. Mm-hmm. That's just going to create another government involved with more bureaucracy, more red tape, more hoops to jump through, with no guarantee it's going to work any better. Mm-hmm. So what I would suggest is everybody has an MP. And I can count six ways to contact your local MP. Get on them, let them know you have a problem, and don't let up on them. But you have to use the magic phrase. This is why that Helen lady, I think, is, might not be getting a reply. You have to say to them, you will lose my vote. Okay. And that's the only thing that will make a politician set up and take notice now, because if there's one thing this pandemic has proven, all politicians are in it for themselves, and they're nothing but a bunch of prevaricators. Okay. Get on your MPs, people. Let's make this work and not involve any more levels of government, because they'll probably just screw it up with that. Uh, You make an interesting point there. Thanks for that. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, I uh, want to, we have a, a bunch of emails, so I want to read some of them. And this one is from Murray Gordon, and I uh, said a note to express my thoughts on the current situation at Roberta Place in Barrie. Mr. Ford has no defense or excuse for what is going on. The inspectors went to Roberta Place, submitted their report, and nothing was done. And he goes on, criminal negligence is a wanton and reckless disregard, taking into account the circumstances that existed or could reasonably have been expected to have existed. Uh, and I do not believe that it is very a very big step to determine that the virus would spread within the age group with the highest death rate. Draw your own conclusions. And he is holding Doug Ford and the Minister of Long-Term Care and the senior staff responsible for the spread and the death. So thank you, Murray, from for that. Right now, let's go to Arthur in Kitchener. Hi, Arthur. Hello. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Good. I'd like to talk a little bit about the uh, Trinity United Chapel just outside of Kitchener. Okay. Um, they've been fined before for having um, services, uh, in-person services. Then they were uh, told that they could have outside in-your-car services. Mm-hmm. And then last Sunday, they reopened the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, a slew of people that went in there without wearing a mask, mm-hmm. for one thing. And the police and the bylaw officers were there and didn't do anything at all. So some of these people have to start being fined pretty heavily. 
to yeah. kind of get the message, I think. Yeah, it's really interesting. I was talking to the, the guy in charge of licensing and some bylaw enforcement here, and it's unclear what actual powers they have. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure exactly, and Kitchener is obviously different than Toronto, but, you know, the, the, I guess the question is, what exactly can they do? And I suppose they can use their discretion. So I don't know if they thought it was enough to just go to in there and say, you know, if you do this again, we'll find you big time. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, but the uh, enforcement it's, is, it's, it's a, it's a sticky thing. It's yeah. not clear what they can enforce. And even if they can enforce something, they often don't. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I, think that uh, these people that are attending church also and not doing physical distancing or wearing any kind of PPE, uh, shaking hands with each other, patting each other on the yeah. back, you know, uh, we I'm, have to keep this under control. Well, it's not under control, and I would say you want to stay away from that church. I'm, I'm a 70-year-old. Uh, I have a heart condition. My wife just passed away in November. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, thank you. But I'm isolated in this this apartment. I'm scared to go out. Um, I went to a grocery store. I saw a young man with a mask, not wearing a mask. I asked him to to put one on, and he very unpolitely told me where to, I could do it with my mask. So, well, yeah. Um, you see stuff like that all the time. You know, yesterday I went to a, a place just you know around the corner for takeout that I gone to for years. So first I noticed the person, you know, at the cash was only wearing a shield, which is not that good on Mm -hmm. its own. And then the person cooking sort of came out to wave and say, hello, she wasn't wearing a mask. I'm not going back there. You know, I can't understand why these people don't get it, that the PP masks and, and and the hand washing and that, it's proven to be effective. And not meeting with people in public and groups, that's proven to be effective. And uh, still people are um, disregarding it. Yep, yep. But let's hope people uh, get wise. Arthur, you take care. All right, have a nice day. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I'm going to take a call from Steve in Thornhill. Hi, Steve. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Long-time listener, but first-time caller. Oh, wait. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. There's your bell. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm calling in regards to uh, approximately 15, 20 minutes ago, there was discussion in regards to how uh, the vaccinations are almost complete in Israel. Yep. I am dual citizenship. I was born in Canada. I'm also an Israeli, and I served in the military. And uh, why it's going so well there? is because they have a system, without getting into semantics, they have a system in regards to mobilizing the military in case there is a certain level of conflict. They are doing the system as same in mobilizing for the vaccines. Whether they pay double the price or not, I don't know about that. But they are mobilizing in the sense of instead of contacting people who are in the uh, tanks reserves or the air uh, paratrooper reserves, they're doing it in the sense that people are 80 to 70, they're contacted. 70 to 60, they're contacted. And I heard you mention that you have relatives there that are in their 20s that have already been vaccinated. Yeah. 
It's because the system literally is gone over and over and over just for checks to make sure when it's needed that it works without any flaws. And so, and plus there's not even 8 million people in Israel. So it's not like in Ontario, we have double the the population. It's uh, it's a system that has gone over and over for decades. It's uh, gotten rid of all the bugs, as they say, and, and they've been able to be successful. I think possibly Canada should look at in the sense of going by not necessarily just age groups. Basically, let's get rid of the uh, concerns in Sault Ste. Marie. Then we'll go to Ottawa. And then we'll go to Kincardine. And then we'll go to Toronto. You know, have it in the sense of not just show up when you want. Well, you know what? It's it's a whole bunch of things. So they have four different HMOs in Israel. Uh, They have very extensive electronic records. So unlike here, uh, it's it's one centralized national system, unlike 10 provinces who have very different approaches. And, uh, you know, there there are also there are privacy concerns in Israel. They said, never mind. They've actually given Pfizer access to data. Uh, but here, that wouldn't necessarily fly uh, because the way they're doing it does raise privacy concerns. But, you know, when it comes to getting their population vaccinated and uh, they will likely get their economy back on track also ahead of everyone else, it's, yeah. it's a whole bunch of factors that make it work over there. But uh, it's definitely working. Yeah. Uh, are are you sorry you're not over there getting your vaccine? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, I, like I said, I have dual citizenship. I was born here. I absolutely love Canada and specifically Toronto. Um, but I figure that it'll eventually happen here. Unfortunately, we've got some some stuff going on, whether it's liberal or conservative or Ontario or whatever. We've, we, uh, we will eventually all be taken care of. And given that we have, you know, like, uh, six times the population in Canada to what they have there, you gotta think that, okay, one person gets vaccinated in, in this, uh, time period. Well, six people would have to get vaccinated here in the same, same time period. And it, uh, the, the semantics of it might not really work. Uh, yeah, more than the semantics. So, uh, yes. yeah, uh, we just have to uh, take a deep breath and, and wait till we get it because we're going to get it when we get it. Exactly. And I think our prime minister and our premier Ford uh, should should walk hand in hand in trying to get this done because in bipartisanship in Israel has been put aside between Bibi Netanyahu and Benny Gantz and all the other <laughs> They're fighting like cats and dogs, as usual. Yes, Steve, they're fighting like cats and dogs uh, thanks for political for your call. purposes. Okay, thanks, Steve, for your call. Have a great weekend. Okay, thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, I am looking at the screen and uh, trying to figure out if we have time for one more call, and probably... We don't. So thank you, everyone, for your calls. Very interesting show today. Uh, We will have more on this coming up next week. Have a great weekend. And that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.